Welcome back to another episode of the Bearded Mindset Project. Today is episode number five, and we're continuing our discussion on the power of now. And today was a really awesome conversation. We actually started to really pull in um, experiences that were starting of, of us starting to utilize this, these principles from this book in our everyday life and start to talk about how on a spiritual level we are able to use the power of now and how a lot of these things are actually super intertwined with each other. Uh, again, it's I'm Christian, I'm your host, and and we have Jason, JD, Chaz, and John, like usual, joining us. Um, stick around, enjoy the podcast. Just barely listened to it before we started. Um, yeah. That was interesting because, like you said, JD, it, it's got this negative connotation and and he's like, that's not what I mean. It's because, it, like, you like for example, he's talked about like somebody who's like terminally ill. Like, you can accept and surrender to the circumstance, which isn't being in the now. It's not being present. You know, if, if you're being present and just accepting what what your present circumstance is, then then you're you're kind of freed from that. You know, the the conditions of of your illness the, lab, the big label of disease so like i've got a headache right now that's all that's all you're dealing with you, you don't look at it as oh i've got cancer you're like you know right now i feel a little hungry and you know i'm not and i feel a little weak but when you look at it with that that's what you're yeah. talking about right john right yeah because i think right. like when you're surrendering to like oh i got cancer i'm going to die that you, you can't be present in that in that mindset but if you're thinking about I, you know, I have cancer and that makes me feel tired and sluggish. Now I'm present. So is it almost like he uses it interchangeably with acceptance? Because it almost sounds like what you're talking about is acceptance. So what's the difference between acceptance and surrender? Well, so this is what... <laughs> here's the thing. The biggest thing is what he, what he talks about is to make sure you don't identify with, like we're talking about illness. Because people want to take that illness and, and the ego wants to identify with it. Like, I am somebody who has this illness, you know, and and, and so they, they make it part of their life rather than their life situation. Because he uses that quite often to differentiate between what is your life, what's real, and then your life situation, what are kind of the, the actual things, physical things that are happening in your life. And so an illness is one of those. And if, if you want to take away that illness, the ego thinks that you're wanting to take away part of that identity. So it, it actually clings onto it um, and as a means of survival, which is kind of interesting. So like a hypochondriac, right? That's what a hypochondriac yeah, does. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, like I, I have this illness, right? I am basically your ego says that this illness is part of who you are. And if you get rid of that, you're going to get rid of part of yourself and you don't want to do that. The, that's the ego is is what's what's doing that and, and wanting to hold on to that. Doesn't he talk about just... that too as being like, um, like trying to, you know, accept the present and, and accept the now? It's almost like you're trying to kill, or that's what the 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 ego thinks is that you're killing that part of you off. That it's it's literally death for the ego, and that's mm -hmm. why it fights so hard and and why it's so hard to, you know to be in the present. Right. And that's something that's in everybody, you know, it's not just a hypochondriac. It's, that's just 
the natural human tendency is the ego wants to preserve itself. Yeah. Yeah. That's what he talks about in chapter nine. He talks about die before you die. You know, because the, the, the only real death is the death of the ego. Nothing, uh, what do you say? Something like nothing real ever dies, only names, situations, and illusions. Those are the only things that can ever actually die. Beliefs, things like that. Hmm. When he was talking today, when I was listening to chapter four today, he was talking about what happens when illusions die. Do you guys remember that in chapter four? Chapter four was a little while ago, trying to go back to it. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head exactly what he said, but just in my note, it says, what happens when an illusion that ends? It's like, oh, I think he was talking about time. So, because time is an illusion, right? Yeah. And so what happens when an illusion ends? Um, it was, it was, uh, yeah, it, it was just interesting. Well, what happens? I'm trying to remember. <laughs> Talking about time, you know, because time's an illusion, and we're and we're we're able to have the illusion end. It it automatically forces us into the now, and so if we're able to cut that out, stop the illusion, then we're in the now. So it's it's pretty cut and dry with that one, which it seems like I feel like a lot of these things. It's it's interesting because they're so deep, but but also they're all they're so simple and i and that's it's kind of interesting to go through this book because you're listening to these things you're like holy crap that's amazing but it's something that's actually really simple but yet it's so hard and so deep yeah it is it is it is simple like you said but but he talks about how the, the only people who really embrace this the power of now are people who are so desperate for relief from their their pain oh, that they're point. willing to to change it they're willing to accept it he said everybody else has to consciously work hard at it to get to that that state of being you know i was having a conversation with my wife and she was just really struggling with where she was at emotionally and mentally and sometimes i almost wonder if I mean, maybe you get to a breaking point where you're that way, but she just, she wasn't in the mood for it. <laughs> you know what I mean? She just, she just didn't want to hear it. I'm like, and she understood, she understood that it could, could help her, but she's like, right now I don't want to deal with it. And, and so, so yeah, there is, there, there might be something to that. They're in pain. They want to get out, but the ego feeds on itself and you're stuck in a cycle a lot of times to where. You don't want to get better. You just want to keep dwelling in the past or worrying about the future or whatever it is that you want or whatever it is that the ego keeps doing. But I mean, have you noticed that there are, there are people that just cannot break away from that? Yeah. Recently, like anytime I've been talking to people and it's, it's weird because the, the more I'm listening to these like books and, and since we're doing this podcast, I'm, I feel like I'm like hyper aware of how everybody's reacting to everything. <laughs> and so I'm like, I know it could help you. I know it could help you. I know it could help you. But like even uh, my, I'm, I've been getting a ride to work from somebody and like even just driving in the car to work, he 
hates the way that everybody drives around him and the way he's talking about it's just it's just super interesting to just be able to be aware of of the way other people are reacting and being like this is exactly what Eckhart Tolle is trying to teach people to get away from and to learn how to like just be totally calm like in any situation that you're in whether yeah. or whatever you know that actually brings up, i was just i was just gonna say i think that brings up like a good point it's simple but one of the one of the things that helps us to be aware is knowing exactly what what to be aware of and so so i just was thinking just maybe creating like a little list of everything that we can think of uh, or just some good examples like dwelling on the past because chapter four i think dives into that anyway but like when you, you're dwelling on the past when you um, have anxiety about the future, um, a lot of negative self-judgment, you know, that's a lot that, you know, you're not living in the now when you're doing that, comparing yourself to others. Um, a big one for me is like mental, mental talk or mental chatter, um, talking about how, you know, maybe how a situation went down or I, there's all different scenarios that I can think of with that. Like replaying um, scenarios in your head. Yeah, 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 yeah. Things like that, and that that might just be more of dwelling in the past. But I can have I can have a conversation about things I need to do, or conversations I need to have, or I mean, it, it goes every which way. Um, and you know, there was one that I found that was really interesting. Well, first of all, do you guys have anything else to add to that? Are there what other examples can you guys uh, think of? Holding resentments and things like that. You know, yeah. like being, and he talks about that, like, because what you need to do is get to a point where you don't have to forgive because you, you, you let those go in the moment, you know, because forgiveness requires, requires you to hold something from the past for a while to let it go. But as, the ideal is you work towards <clears throat> not having those, even in those moments, recognizing it and not holding resentments towards another person for something they said or did. You, you actually <laughs> let it go in the moment. And then, I, then you have to forgive. I mean, that I, is forgiveness in, in the moment. Sorry, I'm I'm kind of laughing just because you know <laughs> when uh, I hope I don't get in trouble for saying this, but whenever like my wife and I have an argument or whatever about something, I'm I'm a lot of times I'm able to get over it almost instantly, and that alone <laughs> like pisses my wife off even more. <laughs> <laughs> but well, yeah. men are from mars and women are for Venus there that's so it's like girls so girls have a screw time of a, about a week <laughs> even more present to where it just doesn't phase me at all it's like i'm, I'm almost scared to to see the reaction that that would cause yeah and one <laughs> thing to, to your point christian one thing totally mentions in here is that it's much easier to recognize unconsciousness in another person than in yourself too so you know, you're saying you're starting to notice how everybody's doing this. It's great. Have you guys noticed the same thing? What's that? You guys notice the same thing, like as you're yeah. going through these books, and it's like you see other people the way they're interacting, either with each other on social media, around the house, and you see just the way that they are, and you can just see what Eckhart Tolle's talking about so much easier, like you said, in other people. But but then when it comes to yourself, it's a little more. It can be a little more challenging. You're a little more blind. You're thinking you're doing a lot better, even though you may be exactly like those people that you're seeing. 
have you guys noticed any changes in yourself though starting these this book like i'm, I'm curious about like in your guys's personal life how the book has has impacted you personally well for me he pointed out something that uh it really really stood out to me and it was in chapter nine that he said this because i've kind of been on this journey for the last little bit but what what reading his book has helped me do is actually pinpoint why i feel the way i feel and think the way i feel and i want can i read a, just a couple sentences here where he talks about it this yeah, is in chapter nine. so he says you must have failed deeply on some level or experienced some deep loss or pain to be drawn to the spiritual dimension or and this is the one that really hit home to me perhaps your very success became empty and meaningless and so turned out to be failure because really that's just happened to happen to me is I have a business that does really well. And I got to a point where I'm like, I've, I've far surpassed where I ever thought I would be as a, as a child. You know, I thought life was about struggle and fighting over money and all this stuff. And I got there, but now what, you know, I, I thought that that would be like, be a, the, the, you get to the end of the rainbow and everything is, you know, it's you enter la la land, but then what, you know, then what? So either you, and so that's what hit home to me. It's like, okay, so I realized why I've been drawn to this, this spiritual path. It's because I've realized that no matter what we gain in life, all these peripheral physical things, ultimately none of it matters. And so if that's the case and you grow up thinking that those things are what matter, you got to have the money and the house and the car and all that stuff. But then you get all that and it's like, oh, now what? You know, and so that's, there's something much deeper than those things because those things really are irrelevant and they don't, they don't bring happiness. They don't bring joy. I guess they can bring happiness, but they don't bring joy. And he makes it very, very uh, important distinction between happiness and joy because happiness depends on circumstances being considered positive where joy is comes from that inner state of being. Okay. I got a little off track there, but anyway, nice. that's what it really helped me do is, is pinpoint why I feel in the way I'm feeling. No, that's awesome. Uh, he must reiterate that kind of that principle multiple times throughout the book, because I was in chapter four, the stuff I was going through today, he was talking roughly along the same, the same line. Um, and it's some of the notes that I, that I made about, um, let's see, he said, or I guess he didn't say this, this is just my notes. Um, where is it? Oh, here it is. If you're frustrated with your present lack, even if, and when you do make millions, you will continue to feel the continue to experience the inner condition of lack and deep down will continue to feel unfulfilled. And so it's, that's right along the same lines that you were just talking about. It's like, until you can be good with where you're at, where you're at now, it doesn't matter what happens in the future. You're still going to crave something else other than what you have now. So it's, it's, it doesn't matter what you have now. It doesn't matter where you're at now. You have to learn to become okay and accept where you're at now, but 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 continue to push forward and and keep trying to increase your life in whatever way that you're wanting to do. Yeah, living living in the now is very much gain living, living in the gain, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, it's, it's kind of, uh, interesting how, how different, um, 
living in the now or living in the present being present has become almost like a, a catchphrase anymore you know it's like it's so prevalent now to in in the realm of of well-being in the realm of addiction recovery like it it's it's such a i think people are learning the value of this and and they may not have read eckhart's books they may not, may not have even studied up on this stuff they just know that you know accepting life the way that it is 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 the the quickest path to serenity the there's a saying in 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 12 step realms that uh that that we have to accept life on life's terms and that if we are discontent or or lack that serenity in our lives it's because we find some person place or thing unacceptable and to me that seems like not living in the now you know if i find somebody's behavior i mean he talks about this how how if we're bent out of shape it's because of it's it's not because of our present condition it's because something happened in the past and we have to be able to let go of that and uh anyway so uh, for me to answer your question really as well um i've i've found uh, maybe i should back up a little bit my my addiction um that I that I have dealt with for much of my life is is an addiction to lust, um, specifically pornography. And and I know that that a lot of the world doesn't see that as a real addiction or a real thing. But in in my perspective, it very much is. Um, and I, I won't go too deep into into why I think that. But but with an addiction to lust there's so many temptations all the time so many th things that can pull me down or pull me away um you know you could be watching tv or just walking down the street and things happen or 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 you know we're shown things that are made to get our attention and and for me somebody who is allergic to these things um it really offsets me and so these temptations i've realized by by being in the now i i used to identify with these these temptations and just think like and just feel this this power that they would consume me with and it's been really cool to be able to step back from those and just view them as a thing like a thought as as part of my mind that i don't have to identify with and i can kind of shove it aside and and you know, let it pass and, and move on. Um, I found a lot of, a lot of help in that, in the, in those scenarios. Chaz, I wanted to ask like, so do you feel like, I mean, how, how are you Im implementing this and how does it, how does it help with recovery? <clears throat> so far, my experience listening to the last two books and, and reading, it's like, these are great. I love it, but I am not, I'm not applying it. Um, I've, yeah, I've just I mean, noticed, it's like as I'm driving around town making my sales calls and I'm, I'm screaming at people for just taking too long to, to go at the green line. I'm like, Freaking go, you know? <laughs> and it's like, okay, I'm not, I'm not present. And I'm like, that's about as far as I get is like, Oh, I'm not present because this is bothering me so much. So that I'm screaming at somebody who can't even hear me or see me. You know, but I'm screaming at them that they need to go. And I'm, you know, it's like, okay, 
but I, I don't know but, what else to do beyond just recognizing it. I, I'm curious, you know, how you feel like, because, you know, like we've, I've said before too, like I struggle with addiction. So like, you know, but I, I've actually felt like the last few days, like I'd like to maybe explore more addictions because my current one isn't enough. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't recommend that, <laughs> but, but I get it, you know, like, we, we have this, this drug and, and we, we chase it. Right. But Eckhart talks about how recognizing that we're not in the present actually puts us in the present in that moment. Um, so I think that's start. I mean, like, I, I, I can't say that it is a, that I do it perfectly or even well, I just have noticed more often that I am able to, to step back. I I've long heard in recovery that, that uh how important it is to be present and, and i always took that to mean like enjoy the situation that you're in like don't check out don't don't avoid your kids don't you know if, if they're all playing or they want you to do something with them like do it you know don't don't sit and and scroll on your phone or or lay on the couch and and veg out you know what i mean like like just be there be be present be active be um in in those moments and so this kind of takes that being in the now or the the state of being takes that to a whole another level where it's like if we can do it ideally we get to a point to where we're we're constantly present right i mean no matter what situation we're in not just in the in the bigger moments in my in our days but but all the time like you're saying driving down the street and you're you're Yanapi, I, I do the same thing. Um, but seeing that and recognizing that, like I say, puts you in the present. And I, I think that that's where the practice is. And, and eventually it'll be something to where before you yell, you'll catch yourself. And, and then, you know, the next step will be that you're just able to, to be present while you're driving. There won't be any urge to yell at somebody. I can say one thing. I think one key aspect of that is if you, if you do something pulled out in front of you, you yell at them. <laughs> Don't get mad at the situation. I'll be like, ah, dang it. I shouldn't have done that. Just recognize it. That That's yeah. what really helped, helped me go through this is, you know, I would see it because I used to always beat myself up. Like, dang it. I know better than that. I shouldn't be doing that. And so I start pointing, pointing the verbal finger back at myself, but that, yeah, that does no good. Shame. Yeah. 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 It puts shame on yourself. Right. So just recognize it like, okay. And then actually congratulate yourself for recognizing that fact. Right. Because the, the old you who wasn't even aware of this would have just yelled and been mad the rest of the day. But at least now you could recognize it, put a stop and then get back to a different place. And then it's just it's a process. Like Chad was saying, it's not it's not overnight. It takes long. It can take time because our ego is strong and it, the ego wants to be the one yelling because it because the ego thinks that you're getting something out of that. It thinks that it's changing a situation. You know, that's what you talked about in Chapter nine by by getting frustrated, by getting angry, by yelling it. Uh-oh. situation to cut out there for a second oh sorry good. yeah and, and and you know being in traffic is kind of a it's a, a beast of its own you know like it's a if, meditation it's a yeah i mean if you want to you're literally yelling at cars right like you have objectified that person and lowered their status to nothing you know like this guy is inconveniencing me like that that type of thing it's not 
humanizing people. It is not being present. But but to JD's point, like it's a huge threat to our ego. What what is that guy thinking that he can just pull out like that and, and cut me off? Or or why isn't that guy paying attention? You know, like why is he in his own world? It's just it, it's this this whole like why do we care? Like, why does our ego think that that like our yelling at that person is somehow going to make our ego feel better about this, this edge that that person just took over us. Well, when the reality is that person probably has no idea what they did and there is no threat to our ego. It's just, it's just how, what we perceive it to be. Well, and may, it might not, I mean, we, we create that threat, but the reality of it is that we're worried about the future. We're worried about getting there. We're worried about getting to a place on time. We're in a rush to get someplace or we want to get someplace quickly. And true. And sometimes like, like you might be frustrated. You're, you're sitting there trying to control your thoughts. And, and that's the one part that we need to realize that we need to let go of like controlling our thoughts that's we we just need to let go of the need to control our thoughts and our feelings you know and just let be what what is and that's you know so whatever happens you just you just constantly let it let it flow through and and you know and without judgment and if you're not worried about the future about worried about getting there you know does it make any difference you're driving from point a to point b is the time going to be that much different regardless of what happens along the way, unless there's a big wreck, chances are it's, it's going to be a difference of, you know, two to five minutes and that's it. So you can be at peace or, you know, you can find those moments to get anxious about getting there quickly and be upset with other people and, and, and find yourself not finding peace. And so it's, it's, it's a struggle. We all, I, I, you know, I deal with that too. Sometimes, you know, with kids or whatever, um, you know, something doesn't hit your expectation. And so it's a, it's a good practice to just sit back. I find that for me, the thing that I notice most often is I am very aware, very aware of when I slip in and out of, you know, and you guys have all kind of said this too, but I'm aware of when I slip in and out of being present. And when I get into a state of, you know, of not peace, you know, and, and I, I, I recognize that that's the ego taking over and that I have a, that, that I can, I can sit there and relax and, and just be present and let that go. And there's been times when it's been successful and there's times when I can't let go of it, but practice, it's just a matter of practice, just being with it and learning to be with it. I really so, appreciate what JD said about just like congratulate yourself when you've caught it. Like, oh, I'm not present. Good job. You know, yeah. like I feel like like there's got to be studies. I don't know if I could really name anything, but like you know, like positive reinforcement will propel you forward far better than you know beating yourself up. And um, you know, I wish I was further along that I could say, yeah, look, this is the evidence of it. But I, you know, like I said, admittedly, I'm. I'm struggling to be present, not just at my work day, but at home and, and even with my kids. And, and like, if I, if I recognize that I'm not present at all, it's probably too late, you know, most of the time, but you know, I think just recognizing it and then give yourself a congratulations. Like you're, you're starting to see. So there's, you know, there's something that you just, there's something that you just said that, that is for lack of, of, 
better terms, but is was was wrong. You said you said something. You said uh, it's probably too late. So right there, you're already trying to associate the present with time by saying it's too late. Too late is I mean it's that's already in the past. It's a new time. It's now a new second. So it's still not too late because you still have right now because you're not in the past. You're not in the future. You're right now. And so it's never too late to get into the present because that's all you actually really have. Uh, good point. So along those well, same lines. Oh, sorry, just, just, just to add on to that. So evaluating that, that condition, that state of being is looking back to the past, whether it's a positive or a negative, that's still, that's still a judgment on something that happened in the past. Is that, is that is that truly being present too? Does that make sense? Like if you look back in the past and you're like, oh, that was um, I did better that time, or I didn't do very good that time. I mean, you're still looking at the past. Is that is that not is still that a form of psychological time? Like psychological time is identifying with something that happened in the past, right? And and it usually refers to identifying with something negative. But in that case, you're referring to something positive and identifying with that, like, oh, maybe I can be in the present more often. Well, I think psychological time was more along the lines of of like you judging the past or sorry, looking at the past with judgment, I think is more of psychological time. And then clock time is like if you look at something in the past, you're like, okay, well, I did this, but this is how I need to fix it in the present. And that's that's Mm -hmm. a different way of thinking of it and that's more of clock time mm-hmm. so i it's it's kind of a it's on the same 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 vein as what what you're talking about john but um i i have these crazy desires or or pulls to check out which I've always understood to be, you know, to escape the present, to escape reality. Um, and it doesn't have to be porn. It could be video games, TV, you name it. Like I, I figure something out to just, to just occupy my mind. Interestingly though, is it really the present that I'm escaping? If I'm so bent out of shape in the present, then I'm not really in the now, right? <laughs> So no, it's you're not, not really because I'm escaping. Mm-hmm. You're escape. You're escaping that accumulated uh, psychological time. What you're trying to escape because you're it's all these things of the past that you're either thinking about or the future that you're worrying about, and so you think that by putting yourself in a different situation, that stuff will will go away. But the I know it won't go away. I just want to leave it. For I, well, you want? Okay, I guess okay. Yeah, for <laughs> momentarily, it'll, you'll get a release from yeah. it, right? But yeah, you're yeah. definitely not being present in that situation because when you're present only that joy of being can radiate forth and so that's the whole that's the whole thing that uh totally talks about is and our ego see our ego what it it's interesting because it talks about how the ego believes um that negativity can manipulate reality to get what it wants right and so it's cunning and the ego is cunning and so it's, we yeah. have to learn its tricks and then learn how to get around those sometimes which can be difficult. It's just ironic that the real relief in those times is to be 
actually present. True. It's true. Yeah. I got a question for you guys. And I don't know. I don't know how, you know, but he, he referenced some things in the Bible, right? And I don't, I wish I had written down what those verses were. Cause when he said them, they were kind of like, holy cow, like he's not wrong, you know, about being present and Christ, Christ teaching people to be, be in the, in, in the now. Mm -hmm. But much of the gospel is built around having faith, having hope. How do you reconcile these two concepts of being present and yet hoping for, he even acknowledges that a lot of religious philosophies are sometime in the future is when I'll be whatever saved or redeemed or happy or, you know, and he, he actually kind of related it to communism as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, because the, the teachings are misunderstood. That's really what it comes down to. But it's, how do you have hope? like Christ tells us to have and remain in the now. Well, isn't the, isn't, wouldn't that be along the same lines of, of like having goals? Cause we, it's, it's good to have goals, right. To push us forward, to work towards something. But, but we, we have the, we like, we have the hope to, to one day again, go live with Christ, but we're not going to, um, I don't even know how to say this. <laughs> it's not going to make us it's, but way better. Or it's not where we'll finally find our happiness if we can figure out present. But we got to, we still have to be present in what we're doing. And we, we, whatever we're doing now is going to dictate wherever we go in the future. But we, we can't, we, like, I hope one day I have, I'm going to be here. And then, but I want to be here right now. Like you still have to be accepting of where you're at right now with that hope that you'll get there in the future, but you're okay with where you're at right now because you got to accept where you're at right now. Anyways, that's kind of how I, I think of it. What about you guys? Yeah. Cause he talks about those goals. He said, you can still have goals, but it's not going to be your, you know, your number one driving force, or it's not, it's not like that thing at the end of the road that, that's when I'll be happy. That's when I'll be content. Yeah. Exactly. You realize if you set those goals and you get there, you realize you're no happier when you get there. They don't change anything. Right. You like, then you have to set more. It's, it's a gap in the game, right? It's the, it's the yeah. horizon. You're always looking towards the horizon. If you're measuring against the horizon, then you're never going to find that happiness. You have to look at where you are. But sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. But so how does that, I mean, like the hope is for a, a, a bright, you know, an eternal and an eternity with God, right? Okay. How well, is that not better than where I'm at in the present in this fallen world? Well, is is now not part of eternity? It is. And being so, with God is that not a state of being? Like right yeah. now, being with the Spirit, being with, you know, in essence, being with God in the present moment. I mean, is that not a way of escaping the world? We do have several scriptures that say that very thing, that we can have unmatched peace and happiness and wholeness here now. Because if, And I never really realized that until very recently, but that goes right along present, with what you're saying. I mean, how present, how much more present can you get than taking time to like, 
spend time with God right now. Like yeah. there's nothing more present that you can do. Well, that's my daily battle. You know, it's like, am I, that's how I know <laughs> what kind of shape I'm in spiritually is, am I connected with God right now or am I not? And my sobriety is contingent upon that connection. Because we, we, it's funny because we talk and think of eternity as sometime in the future, but eternity is not endless time. It's no time. And so eternity is now. It, it is now. It's always. It's, it's, you have to take time out of the equation. And so the, to the extent we can learn to live in the now, we learn to live in eternity. It's not sometime in the future. That's the thing. Like we always want to project it into the future and, and we want to project that psychological future. Like, oh, someday I'll be happy. Someday if I check all these boxes, I will be happy when. Just think about this. What if, what if you believe that every day is judgment day? Just think about that idea. Every day is judgment day. Every moment is judgment moment. It's now. And it always has been, always will be. So that's what, that's what I remind myself as I'm thinking about these things. Because if you look for salvation in the future, it will never come because the future never arrives. There is no such thing as the future. It's only now. It's a process of being... Uh, yeah, it is. My mind is getting warped. I'm just like, <laughs> it is. It's, it's, being. It's, not, it's not about doing. It's not about doing. It's not about accomplishing. It's about being. And that's the whole thing. All Christ's teachings, he has he, he has these things that, yes, you can do True. them, but they're not for the for doing them. It's what you become by it's doing It's not them. a checklist. Yeah. It's not a yeah. checklist. It's, it never has been, never will be. And if you think it is, you misunderstand his teachings. And the teachings of all the great teachers throughout history. Hmm. Not to go off on a little tangent, but you know, growing up and stuff, thinking about eternity, you're like just sitting back trying to think about living forever was like super, super difficult because you're because living for eternity just sounds like impossible, like especially to a kid. But thinking of it this in this aspect, that like what you were just saying, that eternity is now. It's not in the future. It's now like for whatever reason, it makes my mind be able to process that way easier. Just, just some random side note. <laughs> well, I think that's the secret that ever that, that Christ is trying to teach us as he was trying to point that out, you know, that you just live now, you know, he says, he says come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Rest from what? Rest from worrying about the future, worrying about the past. Because because once you realize that now is what you have, it's beauty, it's peace. It's it's that inner, that peace that radiates from within that the world doesn't matter. That you can live in the world and be in the world and help people and all this, this great stuff, but ultimately none of that matters. What matters is being present right now, which is eternity. So you're it's saying... I can just choose to do better and there I don't have to repent necessarily because if I'm in the now, it doesn't matter what I did in the past. Well, okay. What is repentance? Really? Uh, what is it? Well, it's changing, turning around. Yeah. It's changing, right? So it's being, it's being different. It's not, it's not about changing. Changing is a process, right? Or it, changing is an, as a stretch. Kind of past tense. 
Yeah, it's it's being different. It's it's being, being different. different now. And so uh, along these same lines, a lot of times we think, okay, I did something bad, right? I, I disobeyed a law or a commandment, and so I feel bad about that. And that's and then the ego can re really easily sneak in, like, okay, I'm gonna keep feeling bad about this because by feeling bad, I am buying some sort of buying something from God, all these feelings of, of negativity of bad, that's, that's earning me something, which is not true, right? Re repentance is, yeah, okay, I realize you recognize something I did wrong or something that was not, uh, what's the right word? I don't like, don't like using the word wrong, but I did, I realized I did something that was not beneficial uh, to me or somebody else, right? And right. that feeling of, feeling of negativity is, is fine, but it, the moment you start to wallow in that, your e that's your ego taking over and you're, it's more than humility. You, you use that as a thing to recognize and then you make that change and you become different. That's in, in my mind, when you take all this into consideration, you take what Christ actually taught, not what I, for many years, I thought he taught is that that is repentance is just changing and it can happen now. It's, it doesn't have to be this long drawn out process where you have to feel sorry for yourself for a long period of time. Aren't That's there five cool. R's of repentance, JD? Or yeah, uh, what are five C's? What are they? What are <laughs> so they? It's been, it's been a long time. Recognize. Uh, not JD. Wait, what are they? So, yeah, I know. I don't know. That's the thing. I don't <laughs> care because I agree with you. I think that it's something we just decide. To, to do better, to be better. Well, and that's, be, and, yeah. and that's it. be better. That's the thing. Be better, not do better. Because we always, we always get caught up on this, in this do, do stuff. Like, you got to do this, got to do that. No, it's just be, be better. And then if you are, because once you become the do takes care of itself. So how do you, if, if we're doing like Tully says and observing our thoughts or our emotions, or I think, think even our behavior um without judging without analyzing just observing it how do you decide i mean where in there do you decide that what you did was wrong or or the way that you're being is is not correct and and you know because you got to have a decision in there there has to be a judgment in there somewhere to say i don't like that i need it i'm going to change Okay. I'm trying, I'm trying to, I, well, explain that. Ask that again. Well, so, so how do you? So, go ahead. Toy says to, you know, any anytime you're having a thought, you can be the watcher, right? You can you can step back a thought or an emotion or, I, I don't know if he said behavior, but I assume that can be lumped in there. That we don't have to identify it. We can step back and just watch it, just look at it, just observe it, right? And he said, don't don't judge it don't even necessarily analyze it just just watch it and and watch it pass but somewhere in there we do need to make a judgment do we not i mean if we're going to be something different don't we need to recognize that what we are the way we thought okay so take for instance i yelled at that guy on the road okay and i i i realize I wasn't present, but I, I also realized like, that's not the person I want to be. I don't want to be somebody who yells at people on the road. Like that's my judgment. Is it, is it not? And that's how I decide to be different. How do like, you, 
when he good, it feels like you you have your life experiences, but then, and that shapes who the present person is, right? I think you form where you get your peace from, and in in pre you know in moments of the past where you weren't present, it becomes it becomes a part of you to where you know who you want to be in the moment right now, right? And so I think that still drives you. I think you can still have, and it's so weird when, to think, well, anyway, yeah. Are you so saying I, that when we do something wrong, um, that we are veering off the path of what we know to be the kind of person we want to be? Well, it's like, it's one of those things like making a negative self-judgment, bringing shame upon yourself as the ego taking over, right? Mm -hmm. And so you recognize that that just is, that that's something that you don't want to have part of your life, that that experience happened, and then you let go and you become, you know, and, and as experiences hit you, thoughts or whatever, as you just deal with them, you don't have the reaction that you may have had in the past because you're being present with that and just sitting with that. And so your choices are dictated because you seek that peace of being present, which I think when you are in that mode, it's you're, you're really seeking for light anyway. And I think it becomes natural for us to, to make that living in the now, make it our, um, our, our righteous desires, our, our, our better self. I, I I didn't know how to finish that statement, but did that make sense? I think so. I think, I mean, to me, it's like living like, in the now is living right, in the light, right? right? Right. And doesn't that doesn't that have doesn't have doesn't that have a direction with how you act and and how you be? Yeah, yeah. Does he? I mean, I look at that as like we have this inner conscience, and I don't know if he talks about a conscience. Um, it's yourself. You, that, you think but... about your your higher self, your your true essence of being. It it wants to be, and and everything that is 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 peace and joy and love, right? And so anything that's not that is your ego. And so if if you're talking about a conscience, it'd be yourself, you know, the watcher recognizing that that difference between who you who your ego is telling you that you are and and dictating the way you are and who you truly are so it's it's okay it's that so that does fit in line then i mean i mean because conscience is in my mind another word for the light of christ which basically helps us to know when we're doing stuff we shouldn't be doing or being somebody we shouldn't be so yeah you can feel you can feel that difference that that distance between who you truly are and who who you or what your ego is that's that i think that's what you're talking about is that 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 feeling of the difference and so yeah, yeah there, there's an there's an innate knowing there of how close or far away your ego is from that at least that's the way it seems it seems to me but it's I, I grew up thinking that if i did something wrong i had to feel bad about it for a long time to buy some some penance from God, you know, have him right. like, okay, you felt bad long enough. Now you're, you're forgiven, but that's, I've come to, to right. believe that's not the way it is. Well, and that, I think that stems from like, you know, being challenged on that. Like, how can you say that you've repented if you don't even feel bad about what you did? Right. 
that's how you know you've been you've repented, right? When you don't feel bad about it anymore. Right. I mean, really, if you think about it, that's that's the true the true um, fruit of repentance is is you don't remember, you don't feel bad about it, you you've you've truly changed, right? Mm. So I, I heard it said, and it really made, it resonates with me, is that because of the atonement of Christ, we're able to learn through our experience without being condemned by it. Because that's why we're here. Because if, if, if we didn't, if it weren't here to, to go through these experiences that some were considered positive, some were considered negative, then there'd be no point. We, there would be no point for us to be here. And then, so it's easy to judge somebody like, that guy's doing all these things and then he doesn't feel bad about it. But, and, but I'm feeling bad for these little things that I'm doing. How come he doesn't feel bad? He should be feeling bad and and repenting, right? And but is 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 that not utilizing the atonement of Christ? And you you talk about those five steps. Do those five steps have to take clock time? Can you do all five of them in the now and be like, mm-hmm. oh, mm-hmm. boom, and then make a change? I believe you can. And, will you will you, say, will you do that quote? Say that quote again. That was an awesome quote. Say it again, will you? Which one? the something about our actions and not being condemned by him oh because of the atonement of jesus christ we are able to learn from our experience without being condemned by it yeah that's not not i've heard i heard that somewhere i can't i can't tell you where i heard it but it made sense to me because i mean that's the whole point of it and so we need to be open and willing to learn but it, but the moment we start to fall into the error of oh I have to feel bad about this and wallow in this this guilt and this shame, that's the ego like diving all in like oh yeah baby I'm I'm in charge now I'm gonna make sure you repent and then you just stay in that same that same cycle and you just spin around and around and around. That's not repentance or change. That's not that's not true change. That's that's surface level change. That was awesome. I get love it. Feels well, like there's more to that. Chaz, keep going. I the, the the wheels are turning on that. I can I can see it. <laughs> so is that I mean, is that no, all there? Is it just living in the now and we just follow that state of being and and we accept and that's our guide. Just that that inner self, that like that light of Christ, which is your which is the state of being you know, in Tully's words is who we want to become. And that's, and that's all of the, all the, all of the guidance that we need. So we don't, and, and well, with that, do we even need judgment? Do we even need to look at the past for judgment or can we just live by that light? I guess it depends on what, what you subscribe to, you know, like we believe that certain sins need to be dealt with by, you know, church leaders and, and, you know, Catholics believe in confession, you know, and, and that's just part of that, that process of working through it, I guess. But, but yeah, essentially, I think that is it is just repent, repent. Now God's already forgiven you anyway. Like why, why do we sit in it? Why do we, why does it need to be more drawn out than that? It's just a decision to, to be different. Cause the ego, the ego loves it. It gets, yeah. it gets, uh, it loves problems, right? <laughs> it gets fulfillment out of wallowing in that guilt and that shame. It loves it. Yeah. It's, it's strengthening itself and strengthening its identity with this, this fallen, lowly, cut off from God, whatever, you know, being, which is actually false. 
I really want to analyze why we are the way that we are. Like, why have we been created this way to have this, this massive ego that gets in the way of everything that, that shoves everything in our face that likes problems that likes pain that, you know, like, why can't it be simpler? <laughs> but isn't that, that, isn't that how we grow the most though isn't that yeah. it's it's amazing like with, with jd's quote from before about christ and that just describes our whole purpose of being here is so that we can take these experiences and learn how to gain control of these emotions and the, well not gain control to be able to i don't know just to be in that state of being i mean it, these feel like yogi terms as we're talking about them, you know, like the state of being and ego and, and all of that, but church terms, I mean, just feeling being present in the spirit, learning to keep the spirit with us all the time. I remember a quote that, that, uh, that Bednar had shared that was that he had said that, uh, a lot of, a lot of, and he was talking to seminary teachers and he was saying, people are concerned about, feeling the spirit, you know, like, oh, I need to prepare for this lesson or whatever to make sure that I feel the spirit so that I can be guided and all that kind of stuff. And he's like, you need to, you need to be aware of when you don't feel the spirit. It needs to be that present in your life that when the spirit's not with you, that, that you, yeah. that you, that's when you recognize, and that's when you make an adjustment. And I feel like what we're talking about here in that state of being is, is very similar you know, we need to recognize when we are in that state and when we, and when we dip out, we're aware, and then we can get back to it. Yeah. And in gospel terms, that's a natural man versus, you know, your, your spirits, the ego is the natural man. And so yeah. the natural man, the ego cannot feel the spirit. So it's only to the extent that we can overcome or put off that ego, you know, and, and re realize how much that ego is not who we truly are. I think to that extent that we do that is how is, is the amount that we'll be able to feel and communicate with, with the spirit, with our spirit, with God, with the spirit of God. And that's the whole idea. It's, it's so going back to your question, Chad, it's like we talked about last week where totally brings up the uh, prodigal son, you know, who goes from a state of, unconscious perfection you know like let's say us and as spirits before we got this body to a state of you know misery and sin and um we call it yeah disconnection you know the the wasting his life which was basically conscious imperfection and then because of that he comes out of it goes back home state of conscious perfection because he was able to witness and not only witness, right. but partake in the dichotomy, the, in the, the duality of the life of man, of seeing the difference and experience, not seeing, but experiencing the difference between joy and pain and, you know, sorrow and, and all these, these different things that are, they're actually in, in reality don't have, aren't real. They're only um, experiences of this physical world, you know, uh, totally talks about that quite a bit because our two state of being none of those things are even real. There's, they just are perceptions from our physical body and physical or our, our ego's perspective, I guess is a good way to put it. Hmm. That make any sense or I just, yeah, no, I crazy town. No, I, I think, uh, it, it just helps me to draw a lot of connection, um, between gospel principles and, and, and this book, 
and how really it's not this ego is not just something that God has given us. It's, it's just a condition of a fallen world being, you know, it's a condition of being human. And, and to your point, JD, I think that's what you're saying is we're here to learn how to quiet that down and to, to listen more to our spirit and the spirit, you know, the spirit of God, um, to get more in connection with that. And to figure out like how do we how do we combine that spirit and and body in harmony? Yeah, and it's it, it, the thing is it's easy in this world to be completely identified with the ego and just lose just be lost in that and oh, your yeah. ego run your whole life. But it's not until something changes, something happens, whether it's an experience, an event, uh, even just some offhand remark by somebody, something shifts that that we we start to wake up to the difference. And that's why we're, we're reading books like this. That's why we, we go to church. That's why we do these, these things because we begin to realize there is more than what this ego is trying to deceive us into believing that this world is, yeah. it's just this physical stuff. In addiction, we call that a rock bottom. Mm -hmm. It's that turning point, right? Mm -hmm. And, oh, I lost my train of thought. Never mind. And I think for a lot of us, it's a, a turning point. It's like a big ship. It's a slow, you know, turning point. And sometimes we, we have ex uh, stories of, of past people and experiences who had an instantaneous turning point. You know, they were they hit rock bottom and then they were awakened. You know, like I, I, Paul would be a good example, right? You got Saul, who he had an experience that he he hit rock bottom, but because of that, he instantly turned around and became one of the greatest advocates for the gospel of Christ that the world's ever seen. And so, um, yeah, there's, there's many examples like that, but, and I think it's easy to get, at least for me, it's easy to get caught up in that idea. It's like, man, I want, I want what Paul had. Right. But I think yeah. for us, they're a lot of times, yeah, he, they're the exception, not the, not the rule. And so it's, it's a process for us. And so to John's, John's point, you know, it's, it's a process. We have to be okay with the process because the moment we start getting down on ourselves or judging ourselves or shaming ourselves, that's the ego winning right there. It's like, what ego's like, yeah, you know what? It's not even worth the, worth the effort. So don't even try because you're never going to be like that. You're never going to make it. But instead you just flip that on its head and you say, you know, you do something, you do something that you're not, that doesn't resonate with your true being. And you're like, Oh, interesting. I recognize that sweet. I recognize it. Let's move forward. And the more the more often you do that, the easier it becomes. And the more you do it, the more that's the the ego starts to fade away. Because I think going head to head with the ego and trying to kill it, that's not that's not a very effective way. But rather, let's let's coax it down, coax it out of out of the way, so we our true nature can shine forth. And it's it's it is a process. And if we get just don't get discouraged. So a, a thought or a question came to mind as you're talking, JD. How do we identify with with that true self? Like, I think that's been one of my struggles. Um, is just like rediscovering who I truly am. You know, I don't. You know, and what I mean by that, I guess I got fell out of the conversation, so I, I'm trying to pick up the pieces. Um, just hearing you guys talk about, you know, spiritual things. I I've. 
I've been wondering for a long time, who is my spirit? The spirit that, that inhabits my body. Who is that person? What was he like pre-mortally? What was his true character? You know, how much of that carries through to, to, my, to my body now? You know, because I feel like, I guess just with what sparked my question was what you're saying is, is trying to trying to be true to that self without letting the ego get in the way. I feel like you have to know that self before you can start being more true to it. You know, I don't know. I'm, I don't know what your guys' thoughts on if that even makes any sense. Or almost sounds like a scripture, know thyself, right? Here's my two cents on that. You know, I've, I've actually been talking a lot about identity with, with my kids recently. And, you know, that's what you're talking about right now is identity. And, and my first question to you would be, and I think you already kind of answered it after the question came to my head, is, but what, why, why does it really matter how you were before this life? Why does that even matter? Because that's, that's, we've, you, you, that's still dwelling on the past. That's not dwelling on now. You've already come to earth. You've already gained your body. You've already gone through all these different experiences. So you're already going to be a completely different person spiritually now than you were back then. Right. So who are you right now is what actually matters. doesn't matter what you were like in the pre-earth life because the things that matter then are still valid today. One, you're John. Two, you're son of God. That's See, almost all that matters. That's that's like if you really think about it, though, like if you think about it, that is all that really matters. And well, it's like your identity is should be tied to things that that I like to say are unchanging. OK, I'm always going to be Christian. I'm always going to be a son of God. I'm always going to be a dad. I, I hope to always be a husband. Um, I'm always going to be um, a son. Right. Like these are things that I am that aren't ever going to change ever so when i identify with that that's my true identity nothing else everything else that you're trying to identify with you're trying to identify to life situations not life and who you actually are and so you got to understand like who you are you're making it way over complicated you're john you're a son of god your father your son your husband that's it that's who you are. That's good, Christian. I I think that as you as you strengthen your spirit, your connection with God, you will learn even better, and that identity will even become everything that Christian just talked about will become stronger. And then you know, so 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 you don't need that. You you just live in the light as best you can, and you'll get to know that better and better, and that identity will become stronger. Because once you start understanding that, like that's, and when I asked all of you guys earlier, like what you've gained from this book, like this is kind of where this book has, has pushed me to better understand like, like who I really am and my identity. Because, you know, everything else, when if you start identifying yourself with inside your life situation, your identity can be destroyed at any second. Like if I identify myself as a jujitsu athlete, that's not a negative thing. Like I am a jujitsu athlete, but if I identify myself as a jujitsu athlete and then all of a sudden I get in a car crash 
and I lose both my arms, both my legs, I'm no longer a jujitsu athlete, right? So that part of my identity is now dead. And now I'm going to have an identity crisis. But if I'm identifying as the way I say, and then that happens, I'm still all those things. None of that has changed. So that's why I say identifying with things that are unchanging. Those are all things that are unchanging. So that's, that's kind of how I've been trying to focus on everything because nothing else when it pertains to my identity even matters. I think also we consider the fact that we want to be with God. We want to be near God um, so much so that we followed God here to this, to this earth, right? Like, isn't, isn't Christ ultimately who we want to be? Not the Christ, but the, the, the qualities and the, um, I don't know, the wisdom, the compassion, the charity, the, all the, all the great features of Christ. Like that's who I think that my spirit ultimately wants to be. And I think it recognized that before coming here. And that's why I am here. So if I look at Christ as my identity, I guess, as my, um, I think that's where, where my state of being is, is in being Christ-like, if that makes sense. So I, and I hear what you're saying, but I would, I would be cautious of that. Cause I think if, if you were to, that's more of like the goal to be Christ-like, but if you're trying to True. identify yourself as being Christ-like that very easily could, could make you dip into shame really fast, really easy. Yeah, no. And I, I don't mean it like, uh, like that. Like I don't, I don't expect to, to reach any status of that anytime soon. And I know I'm going to keep falling on my face. I just think like if I, if I was to question who was I before I came here, I think it was, I saw what it, what it took to be with God in eternity and, and saw that his plan was, was good and correct. And, and that's, that's, why I'm here. That's why I believe that I'm here. That is who I am is, is a son of God, like you're saying, who wants to be with God in eternity, which ultimately, right? Like to be with God in eternity, we have to be perfected. Do we not? Sure. Which is essentially Christ-like. That's what I mean. But I get, I get what you're saying though. Yeah. I mean, it could easily be turned into shame too, but I'm figuring that out. Okay. Well, that reminds it's me. It's matter of focus. You know, yeah. do you mess up and say, dang, you fool? Or do you mess up and say, oh, learn something? Let's move that on. I wasn't Christ like. Yeah, I wasn't Christ like. <laughs> or it was like, hmm, that wasn't Christ like, but I noticed it. Good for me. Let's move on. Yep. Next time we'll do, do better. It doesn't matter. You gotta, you gotta take that attitude, man. No reason to carry the world on your shoulders. The, bur the burden should be easy and light, right? Steve Young talks about, um, in his book, The Law of Love, he talks about um, how we often think that this repentance is is the fix to all the problems that we face in life. But the reality is, like, it is, it is the plan. It is the process. It is what we're, we're made or meant to come here to make those mistakes. 
And I can't imagine a God wanting to have us sit in all those mistakes and, and take the burden. I mean, obviously he didn't want us to take the burden of all those. That's why, that's why Christ wrought out the atonement. Um, but it just, it just doesn't make sense for God to, to want us to feel some certain amount of negativity in our life to justify, um, you know, paying like, like JD was talking about some sort of penance for, for what we did wrong. It just doesn't, it doesn't calculate out. That negates the whole, whole plan. It negates Christ's atonement, right? It's like, you're trying to take, you're trying to take that on yourself. That's such your ego being like, well, I can essentially saying we don't need Christ. Exactly. Yeah. That's what you're doing by doing that in a, in a kind of a hidden way. Your ego saying, I don't need Christ because I can suffer for this myself. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to episode five of the Bearded Mindset Project. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast. We try to come out with episodes every single Monday. Sometimes we don't quite get that, but that's our goal to get episodes out every Monday. So if you haven't yet, please go rate us. And I hope you enjoyed our podcast. Check you next time.